Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I wonder if I asked you what is the difference between grace and mercy, what you would say. Many of us understand that grace is a free gift, but mercy has a hint of pity about it. You can imagine a person going before the judge in a court and falling on his knees and clasping his hands together and saying, please have mercy on me. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. And the judge out of his pity gives mercy to the person. The difference between mercy and grace is this. Mercy is motivated by pity and it's giving the person forgiveness from their sins. In other words, it's wiping the slate clean. It's saying it's as if you've never sinned. So the judge would say, I declare you not guilty, or he might say, I declare you guilty, but I'm prepared to pay the fine or do the prison time. So it's as if you've never committed a crime. That's what mercy is. It's a judge extending pity and kindness to a person. But grace, when we look in the Bible, and I'm going to show you the verses in a little bit, grace is more than mercy. Grace is over and above. If you like, um, grace is like the judge now declaring the person not guilty, but then he gets out of his seat, he goes down to the person, he picks him up and he hugs him. And he says, my dear man, I want to adopt you. I want to make you my son. I want to give you all of my wealth. I want to put a new set of clothes on you. Here's a brand new car. Here's a place to live. You can have my name. You can have my credit card. And always for the rest of your life, I will be your father. That's grace. Mercy is saying you're forgiven. It's as if you've never done wrong. But grace is then going over and above. Mercy is always limited to how bad we've been. In other words, mercy just brings us back up to the point as if we'd never done any wrong. So mercy can only extend as far as we have sinned. If we've sinned a lot, we get a lot of mercy. If we've sinned a little bit, we get a little bit of mercy. But grace, the Bible says, is boundless. It superabounds. Interestingly, in the Old Testament, it's mostly about mercy, about 80% of the uses of the word mercy are in the Old Testament and about 20 in the New Testament. But grace is the other way around. About 80% of the uses of the word grace are in the New Testament and grace appears just about 20% of the time in the Old Testament. But grace does appear in the Old Testament. Um, there's a couple of, of beautiful stories. The first is about the mercy seat. You know, Moses was told to create a mercy seat. There was the Ark of the Covenant, a golden box, a beautiful box made of acacia wood overlaid with gold and there were cherubim on the top of it. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, there was Aaron's rod, which had budded and blossomed. There was the Ten Commandments and there was a little piece of the manna, the bread that God had given them in the desert. And the picture of the, the Ark of the Covenant is of the old Testament, the, the laws, the Ten Commandments were in there. And so the Ark of the Covenant said, Lord, do. If you do good, you will be blessed. If you do bad, you will not be blessed. It, it was all about performance. It was about um, getting what you deserve. That's what the Ark of the Covenant represented. But then on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And we know in the New Testament, the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. 
And so the mercy seat was placed on top of the Ten Commandments to show that God wanted to give mercy in the Old Testament. And once a year, the high priest would go in, he would take the blood of a bull and the blood of a goat, he would dip his finger, he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. But then uh, in Leviticus 16 and verse 2, God says, I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So we see that there was law or judgment in the Ten Commandments. Above that, there was mercy, the kindness of God, the blood of a bull or a goat saying, I wipe away your sins. But then above mercy was grace, this cloud where God says, I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Law, then mercy, and above mercy is this boundless grace. And we know that Moses would meet with God. The Bible says he would talk to him face to face as a man talks with his friend. And Moses's face would start to shine and glow every time he spoke with God from this cloud above the mercy seat. The picture that I'm trying to give you is that in the Old Testament, it was mostly law. There was a provision for mercy, but there was still the element of grace, of superabundant, of God saying it's not just about fixing the sins of the past. It's not just about making up for the old. I actually want to go above and beyond. And so we see this cloud led and guided the Israelites throughout uh, the wilderness. God provided manna and quail and water and, and everything that they needed. Their shoes never wore out. None of them was feeble or frail. Their clothes never wore out. They were protected and blessed and led and guided by God's cloud, His grace, His superabundant provision. Not just saying you've had your sins forgiven, not just saying you're not guilty, but actually, look, I want to give you so much more. There's a lovely verse uh, in Genesis 39 where Joseph was in prison. Remember that Joseph had been imprisoned in Egypt. Now, Joseph is uh, this man that God has called as a young teenager and given him a dream and a promise. All your brothers will bow down to you and everything. Uh, you will be ruler over, over many, many things. And yet on the process to achieving that dream, Joseph ends up in a prison and he's been forgotten. He doesn't know if anybody even knows that he's there. All of his dreams have come to nothing. He's in a dungeon far away from, from the, the prestige and all the promise that he thought he would achieve. And it says in uh, Genesis 39 and verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. That, that word favor is the Old Testament Hebrew word hen, which is the equivalent of the New Testament word charis, which means grace. So, so we see in that verse, Joseph God was with him. He showed him mercy. In other words, he says, Joseph, it's as if you've never sinned. I'm going to overlook all your sin. I'll wipe away the, the wounds of, of the sin that you, your sin has caused. But then God gave him favor, gave him grace, gave him more than just mercy. And the Bible goes on to say that everything Joseph did prospered. Can I ask you, friend, are you living in grace? You may say, I'm living in mercy. You may say, I'm a Christian. I've understood that I, it's not about laws. It's not about how good I am. I've understood it's Jesus' death on the cross for me is enough to make me clean. Yes, that's great. Mercy is wonderful. Praise God for mercy. But I want to ask you, are you living in grace? Have you moved 
beyond mercy to grace. Most of us as Christians have moved out of law into mercy. Most of us understand we could never be good enough. We see Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, bloodied and bruised and broken for our sins. And we say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were pierced for my transgressions. You were bruised for my, my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was upon you and by your wounds I'm healed. We understand mercy. We see him on the cross for us and we say, thank you, Lord. Your blood is enough. We take communion and we say, Lord, thank you. Your blood and your body broken for me is enough to heal me and forgive me. That's wonderful. But can I ask you, have you gone beyond mercy into grace? You see, mercy is Jesus on the cross. Mercy is Jesus dying for my sins. Mercy is Jesus taking my place on the cross so that I can be forgiven and healed. But grace goes into the tomb with him, sees him rising again and we rise again with him, follows him into the upper room on the day of Pentecost, receives the blessing, the outpouring of his Holy Spirit and his empowerment, and then obeys his commission to go out into all the world. That's grace. You see, mercy stays at the cross. Mercy Christians are those who remain kneeling at the cross and we say, Lord Jesus, you've saved me, you've healed me, you've done such wonderful things for me. Thank you. But we remain at the cross where Jesus is no longer hung. Jesus has moved off the cross. He's risen again. He's poured out his spirit and he has said, go and do great things. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and I will be with you to the end of the age. He is out there with those who have moved beyond mercy and have moved into grace. We know that grace is not the same as mercy because Jesus had grace. Luke chapter 2 verse 40 says, The child grew, became strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. I'm sure we all know that Jesus did not need mercy because he had never sinned. We couldn't say that Jesus needed God's forgiveness. We couldn't say that Jesus needed God's pity. We couldn't say that Jesus was a sinner in need of being made clean again. And yet Jesus, the perfect son of God, needed the grace of God. Why? Because grace is not the same as mercy. Mercy is saying, God, you've had pity on me and forgiven me and made me clean again. But grace says, now look what I can do with you. Look what you can do for me. Look what we can do together and look how we can change the world. In Galatians 1 verse 15, Paul says, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. In other words, he says that God called him to ministry by his grace. I wonder if some of us Christians are not effectively serving God where we live because we're stuck in a mercy mindset. You see, mercy looks at me, whereas grace looks at what God can do. Mercy looks at my past and where I failed and says, oh God, would you, could you forgive me? Whereas grace is looking at the future and says, what could God do through me? Mercy looks inward, grace looks outward. And that is the difference between an overcoming Christian and a Christian who is just getting by. In fact, the Bible says that when we have grace, we abound. We abound. We reign in life. In Romans chapter 5, 
It says that when we have this gift of grace, we reign in life. And so Paul sums it up in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. No, I labored more abundantly than all of them. Yet it wasn't me, but the grace of God, which was with me. In other words, Paul saw grace as this power, this force, this energy source within him that enabled him to do great and mighty things for God. Can I ask you, brother or sister in the Lord, have you understood mercy is greater than law? But more than that, have you understood that grace is better than mercy? Jesus said that two or three people gathered in his name can be a church. It does not have to be a large building with professional staff. Leading Lights Network exists to help you do extraordinary things for God. Gather a few people in your home and use the free Leading Lights resources to help you disciple and reach your friends for Jesus. We have sermons and teachings, practical advice and the stories project that will help you communicate the gospel in story form. We also have a prayer team and experienced church leaders who want to stand with you and develop your potential in Christ. We would love to partner with you to see God's kingdom come in your area of the world. Visit leadinglightsnetwork.com or download the Leading Lights app from any app store. I wonder if I asked you, what is the difference between grace and mercy, what you would say? 2 Peter 3 verse 18 tells us, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, we can grow in grace and knowledge. We understand that we can't grow in mercy. The only way to grow in God's mercy or God's pity is to sin more. If I sin more, then his mercy needs to be more to cover me up, just to get me back to even ground again, to a level uh, situation as if I'd never sinned. But grace, I can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you? Are you growing in the grace of our Lord? And then lastly, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And this is really just a very, very important verse. It says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to close today by talking about three ways that we can know whether we're living as Christians in mercy or whether we are living in grace. What is the throne of grace? It's Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father after He had died for our sins, after He had risen again victorious, after He had poured out the Holy Spirit on His church. He sits at the right hand of God on the throne of grace and He rules and He reigns until all of His enemies are put under His feet. And He says to us as Christians, come and sit with me in heavenly places on my throne. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. Yes, that's part of it. But then it says that we may find grace to help in time of need. So what are the, the three ways that I can tell that I'm living in mercy or grace? The first way is how do I approach God? Let me ask you this question. How do you approach God? 
the verse in Hebrews that we just read, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Mercy comes timidly. Mercy comes looking at my own failures. Mercy comes to God looking with an outstretched hand as a beggar and saying, oh God, would you please, could you have mercy on me? I have sinned. But grace comes boldly. Grace comes gladly like a child running to his daddy's lap and jumping on his lap and hugging him. Grace comes knowing that I'm accepted, that I'm forgiven, that my sins are washed away and that God is not a harsh judge, but he's a loving, smiling father who delights to give good things to his children. So the first way that we can tell whether we're coming to God in mercy or grace is do I come to God boldly, with joy, excitedly, wondering what he's going to say to me, excited about it, just wanting to be with him. You know, when Jesus was walking around on planet Earth, the children would love to come and run up and jump on him. And it says that the disciples tried to stop them. And Jesus said, no, don't stop the children because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus loves it when we come to him understanding we're forgiven. His blood has completely washed us clean. We don't need to keep saying, oh, I'm such a sinner. I'm so bad. We can accept it and gladly receive it and then move on to grace where we come boldly, joyfully at any moment, confidently into God's presence. So that's the first thing. Can I challenge you and ask you, how do you approach God? How are you coming to God? Perhaps even now, perhaps even today, I could challenge you and say, come to God boldly. Come to God and see him instead of as a harsh judge, see him as a loving father with a smile on his face, longing to embrace you. The Bible says in Zephaniah 3 that God is mighty to save and he rejoices over us with joy and with singing. That's the picture of the God that you and I approach. And we come because of mercy, yes, but more because of grace, because he has great things that he wants to give us. That's the first point. The second one is in our ministry for him. The things that we do for him. If we come with a mercy mindset, we will always be looking at ourselves. In other words, at our own failures or inadequacies. And we will always be looking at the past. What have I failed to do in the past? How have I not managed in the past? And so the Bible tells us that God approaches Gideon. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, no, you must have made a mistake. I'm hiding here in the threshing barn. I'm hiding from the enemies of the Israelites. I'm the least of my family. My family is the least of my clan. My clan is the least of Israel. In other words, he was looking at his past and he was looking at himself. But grace looks at God. Grace looks at the future. Grace looks at what could be. Grace doesn't look at my inadequacies. Grace looks at 
all the power that God has available for us. And so eventually Gideon woke up. His eyes were opened. It took him a long time to understand grace, but he moved to the point where he could trust God so much so that when he attacked the enemy armies, he did it with just a handful of men with no weapons, just with jars and candles and trumpets. He didn't even have swords. And with 300 men, he attacked the enemies and they defeated them. Why? Because grace is different to mercy. Mercy says, oh Lord, I've messed up so much in the past. I could never do this ministry for you. I could never serve in my church. I could never witness to people in the world. I could never do anything great for you. I, I am unable because of my past or because of my inadequacies. But grace says, don't even look at that. Look at the great, great God who is beckoning you with a smile on his face and saying, come, look what could be, not what has been. So that's the second point is in ministry for God. And the third point is in your attitude to giving and provision. Can I ask you, do you have a poverty mindset? Are you one of those people who emphasizes out of the verse which says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? Do you emphasize the first part of that verse or do you emphasize the second part of that verse? Because that'll tell you whether your mindset regarding God's provision is one of mercy or one of grace. And this is an important point, friends. You see, if I emphasize mercy, then I come to God like a beggar and I say, God, have pity on me. And I look at that verse that says, my God will supply all your needs. And I stop there and I say, well, I only really need this. I don't really need to have another this and I, I need this. And, and I'm very much of the mindset that it's, it's, just, it's just what I need just to get me up to the very basic level. That's a mercy mindset to God's provision. But the second half of that verse says, my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. That's the grace aspect. You know, Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. That's the grace part of it. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding would be open to see the amazing uh, glory and the things that God has for us. And that's the grace aspect. You see, if we come to God with a mercy, uh, pity mindset, then we think, I don't really deserve much. And, and maybe I'll get something from God. And the way that we know whether we have that is because in our giving, do you remember Jesus says, with the measure that you give, you will receive. In our giving, we also have a mercy mindset. In our giving, we look and we say, am I moved by pity for this person? What is the need that they have? And so when somebody asks me for money, I say, well, they don't really need this much or they need more or they need more. And so we, we are motivated by mercy and mercy is a good motivation. But I want to say to you that there is another level called grace. And so... In um, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's encouraging them to be better givers, more generous people. And he says to them in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He's writing to the Corinthians and he's telling them about some other churches somewhere else. And he tells them those guys have understood 
grace when it comes to provision and resources and giving. He says in uh, verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 8, I urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would complete this grace in you as well. In other words, he's saying to these Christians in Corinth, move out of a mercy, pity, limited mindset as far as provision and move into a grace mindset. And I've sent Titus to help you move from there. And he says in verse 7, as you abound in everything. Remember that word abound means over and above, more than enough. He says, as you abound in faith and speech and knowledge, in all diligence and your love for us. He says, you've got grace in many areas of your Christian life and in the way that you're trusting God and the way that you're learning about him and loving people. You're exercising this over an abundance grace, but he says, see that you abound in this grace also. In other words, when it comes to finances and provision, don't be a limited mercy mindset person. And then he goes on in the following chapter, chapter nine, to talk about this. And he says in verse six, this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And verse seven, he says, let each one give as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, not just what's needed. I wonder if in your church, the the pastor says, we need a new overhead projector. I wonder if you think, oh, I'll just give enough as what's needed. You see, that's giving out of necessity. But it says in this verse, Paul is saying, give out of grace. In other words, give not just what's needed, not grudgingly. God loves a cheerful giver. How can I be cheerful when I'm giving? Because I'm entering into this realm of unlimited, of grace, of much more than is needed. And he goes on in verse 8 to say, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, so that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Isn't that an amazing verse? So those are the three areas where we can check whether we're living in mercy or whether we're living in grace. Unfortunately, the brother of the prodigal son did not understand grace. And I want to just close today by challenging you and challenging me because many of us who've been in church for a while are like the older brother. We say we understand grace, but unfortunately, we are still acting and living like the older brother. In Luke 15, verse 25, it says, Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Look, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment. Notice notice that, the law aspect. And yet you never gave me even a young goat that I may make, make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours comes, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. And the father said, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. In other words, the father was saying, it's all been about grace all along. Everything I have is yours. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to worry whether you've deserved it. You don't have to tread lightly and gingerly as if I'm going to be angry with you. You don't have to worry, am I in law or am I in mercy? The father was saying, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. The fridge is open. It's yours. Take what you want. Whatever you need, take it. And the oldest son, I hope, understood that he'd been living in law and mercy and he needed to move into grace. 
Let me pray for you and I right now. Father God, I thank you so much that you've given us not just law, but you've given us mercy, which triumphs over judgment. And now you've given us grace, super abundant grace. And Lord, I pray for myself and all my brothers and sisters that you would help us to live in the power, in the reality, in the abundance of this grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.